Hi, it's Chanel. This is Marissa. This is Sade, and you're listening to Fat, Fat Pink Cat. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Elena's Wedding Photography. <laughs> With a flash and click, commemorate those precious moments that make you choke. <laughs> also brought to you by Serdanto's Witness Protection Agency, for when you need to make a quick getaway, lest you be accused and found guilty of regicide. And lastly, this episode was brought to you by Melly Sanders, Family Therapist, the easy way to tell your child they are going to be burned if they don't repent from their sinful ways. What a delightful episode. (laughs) All right. um, So we have a couple ravens, just two. First of all, we want to say it's a raven from the realm of real people. (laughs) I don't know. We want to say farewell to Jack, who played Joffrey Baratheon. Because I think after this, he's quitting acting. And he wants to get his PhD or something. Actually, I read a new interview with him. And he said that he wanted to get his PhD when he was like 19. And now he's 21, and he feels that was a little pretentious, and he's not sure anymore. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Wait, really? Say this again? Yeah, it came out yesterday. It was, like, Entertainment Weekly. He's talking about his role and, like... He's not very acting anymore? Oh, no, he doesn't want to be an actor. He's just not sure if he wants to be an actor. All right. Also, Game of Thrones has been renewed for season six and season seven. That's that's season so five and six or six and seven. Is it six and seven or five and six? Five and six, mm-hmm. maybe. Five and six, I think. I think it's five and six. Well, I mean, you can just assume it's going to be renewed for the seventh season. <laughs> They're only planning seven seasons. Yeah, so they would need one more to hit their goal. Yeah. How would it? How hell would they wrap all this up in seven seasons? Though? I don't think they're gonna have. Wrap oh, it that's up. what they were planning to do. That yeah, they're planning to because they cut book three season. in half. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't think that's going to happen. Unless maybe the, the show just ends up going its own way and just ending the way it wants to end, which I think I would welcome that, actually. And not including the all the uh, sand snakes? <laughs> I mean, at this point, I don't know. I think it, <laughs> if they follow the books up to a certain point, because at this rate, Jerm is not going to finish in time. Like, You think, so. you think they're going to catch up to him? Yeah. Such little faith in germ. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Please. What he's is? so sad that he's crying into his millions. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boo. Shall we dive into this episode? Yes. Um, so this episode that we're about to review is season four, episode two, entitled The Lion and the Rose. It was written by George R. R. Martin and directed by Alex Graves. Directing wasn't yeah. bad. No, it wasn't. It was, it was better than nice, last actually. week. Well, I, mean, I also yes. kind of felt like the writing was stronger. I think he's still the strongest writer on the show. George yeah. mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty strong, too. Let's get into it. When the episode starts, we are in the midst of a hunting scene where we see Ramsey and some random chick with Reek following in the distance. I think um, that, so- that girl was the one that, um, it was like her and the other one that like seduced Theon or whatever. Not to Yeah, before him. they, they oh, castrated really? him. The one yeah. That- she was one of the girls. Yeah, I think pretty sure it's the same girl. Yeah, it's the same girl. I did not even recognize her face. Oh, my God. Wow. Yep. 
Well, anyway, apparently she's like a beastly archer. And we find her name is Miranda. And Miranda is conveniently jealous of this other chick. Or at least Ramsey says that Miranda is jealous. This <laughs> show and its whole like woman hating on woman deal. Yeah. You know, just, like <laughs> rather than highlighting Ramsey's misogyny, that's highlight how women hate on women. And they probably thought it was collude in torturing women. They probably thought it was super feminist because it was like a woman torturing another woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, it's, it's less misogynistic than we if we had Ramsey do it. Are there just... any women on the show who are, like, friends and not related? Catelyn and Brienne. Yeah, okay, well, and not dead. Yeah, but they didn't. So, I guess <laughs> some Melisandre. Okay, okay, okay. Shay and Sansa. Shay and yeah. Sansa. But even that has been marred in some ways. Like, I think the problem that this show has in general is, like, every female that has a weapon is automatically depicted as superior to females who do not. So you kind of do have a situation because you see this girl who's running around and she has a dress on and, you know, the criticism being lobbed at her, however absurd, is that, oh, she thinks she's pretty and, oh, Miranda's jealous because you're pretty. And Miranda is the one with the bow and arrow. And it's just, it's irksome to me because mm-hmm. when Ramsey sets his hounds on her to, like, basically eat her apart like the remark that Miranda says oh I guess she's not so pretty now and I'm just like I just, what? Yeah. I, this poor girl this poor you know Theon who has been renamed Reek who like sits there and watches this whole shit happen but I um it was pretty disturbing at least they didn't show anything because I wouldn't have put it past them. yeah I yeah, like absolutely. at one point I cringed and I was like please don't show it please don't show it yeah. Because I thought they were going to show it. But yeah, the whole, I mean, it was really terrifying to watch. Like, they're hunting them like animals, or they're hunting the girls like animals. And Theon has to, like, sit there and be, and basically watch her get eaten, which is terrifying. Which is pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's even more messed up at this point. You know, I think it was a smart director's decision, though, that instead of, like, focusing on the gore, you the, the there's a tight shot of Theon's face reacting. Mm-hmm. To everything, and you know how they say sometimes like your imagination is worse than what you actually see. You know, right. like imagining what Theon is looking at while we see him tremble and while we hear the noises. You know, mm-hmm. I think that was pretty like really well done. Al- Alfie was great in his scenes as yeah. Reek slash Theon. I think he was fabulous yes, in this. He had some really good stuff to work. Yes. With. So we transition the next Theon scene we have is Roos is is so they are they returning to the Dreadfort. Is I don't that no? Yeah, it I looks was... like the dread part to me. Okay, okay. I thought I just it was to make all sure. too soon. I don't know if maybe it's because I'm like the timing. Everyone's is just got weird. a TARDIS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I said the timing is just weird. So Roos returns to Dread Fort with Vargo Holt. That's his name, right? No, no, no. No, What's he's Locke. He's Locke. Sorry, Darn on the it. show. No, it's okay. Vargo Coat was a much more interesting character. (laughs) (laughs) So he returns back to Jetford with Locke and we meet Fat Walder. She wasn't wearing pink, though. I know. It's so frustrating. No one wears pink. (laughs) The the Boltons should wear pink and they're not wearing pink, but whatever. Uh So, so, um, and Ramsey's like, hello, mother. And she looks at him like, um, this kid's so So strange. (laughs) So, Ramsey introduces Roos to Reek, and Reek scolds him because, you know, Roos was planning to trade. Roos scolds him. You said Reek scolds him. Oh, sorry. Crap. <laughs> Roos, sc- everyone has a name that starts with R. 
So Roos scolds Ramsey because he was planning to trade Theon for Mokylan. So we learn in this scene that Mokylan is under control of the Ironborn. Mm. And it, like the tension there is so bad that Roos had to sneak into the Dreadfort. Like, so he's angry that um, Ramsey fucked up his plans by ruining Theon and also um, making attempting to make a treaty with the Ironborn without him being present. So yep. so what happens next is I think one of my favorite scenes actually. Um, I know people are really excited. Uh, well, like the, 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 thing, the scene that's spoken about the most with this episode is the Purple Wedding. But personally, I have to say my one of my favorite scenes from this episode is a shaving scene um, where basically Ramsey is trying to prove to Roos that Theon is better as he is now playing Reek than he would have been as a potential threat as Theon with his personality and his pride intact. So under Ramsey's prompting, Theon reveals that Bran and Rickon are still alive. Um, and as he's, you know, doing all this and following Ramsey's order, he's shaving, which is, you know, it's a really, he's shaving uh, Ramsey, which is a big deal because, you know, you have this blade mm-hmm. next to his neck. Like how easy, regardless of what would happen to like Theon afterwards. Him. Yeah, it's, it would be super easy for him to just like, you know, slice him open. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that just like fucking kills me is when Ramsey's like, Rob is dead. And then Ramsey asks him. That was him, so sad. I know. And Ramsey is like, how do you feel about that? But Theon doesn't respond. Like, everything is in his face. Seriously, Alfie did such a good job. His entire face, like, his body is just shaking. And you can tell he's just like, not only is he, like, struggling with how he feels internally about what he just heard, but he has blade to Ramsey's neck. Mm -hmm. And instead of responding, he just continues shaving. And, like, this defeated, like, I'm like, oh, God, this scene is murder. Yeah. He's got to realize that, like, some of that guilt is going to hit, that he yeah. may have contributed to Rob's downfall. Yep, I'm sure that's what he's feeling. That Bruce may not have turned on Rob if Rob hadn't lost the North. Mm-hmm. Yeah, painful. Um, it was a really good scene. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't, was it wasn't over scene. the top. It was yeah. really subtle. It was like, it was really perfectly well done. done. I still feel like Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah, Ramsey's a little bit. In that scene, he was toned down, but the other yeah. scenes, I'm just like, oh, he's yeah. too much. This was actually, I considered this, the Ramsey that we saw in this episode, a marked, like, a marked improvement. Because I feel like the, all the, even in the beginning of the hunt where he was just like. Tackling. Yeah. Oh, it's time to hunt some ladies. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I just thought that was such a, it's just annoying. I wish they would just have Ramsey be how he is in the, in that shaving scene where he is sinister and you are afraid for Theon, you know, and the scenes like that, as opposed to where he's just like, look at your wiener, I'm eating your wiener. Like, it's fucking annoying. Oh my God. Um, Speaking of. Well, I guess just one last thing I was going to mention is that, um, Ramsey or Roos is impressed basically by the display that you know Reek and Ramsey put on, and so he orders Ramsey to take Moat Kylan in the name of the Boltons and promises to reconsider his position, which you know obviously is the possibility of legitimization, which is clearly something that Ramsey wants. True that. But speaking of, it doesn't, like, after the scene happens... Well, we're not talking about Kin's Landing yet, but Tyrion mm-hmm. and Jamie are sharing a meal, and it's, like, sausages, and I was like, oh, they just had to do that. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. To remind <laughs> us that... So wiener. His piece is missing. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Dragonstone. 
Dragonstone. So I have no idea what's going on with Dragonstone. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, Selyse is sacrificing her brother, or she isn't sacrificing, but her brother's being sacrificed to Roller. We holla as a heretic, mm-hmm. which is okay. I was like, all right, and she's been shown as a devotee of the Red Lord. They made this pretty clear last season too, didn't they? Yeah, but this episode especially, I feel like she's just. Real extra. She's turned up. Yes, she's she's turned turned up. So, so Davos criticizes Stannis' decision to basically burn all these people, right? And also he brings up the fact that, like, like Stannis's, like, Selyse's brother was also his brother by law. So it's like, like, damn, Stannis, like, how many brothers are you going to kill? Kinsling. Kinsling. Cut it out, Stannis. And this is all grumpy. So Solis is trying to strike up a conversation at the dinner table next, right? Well, actually, they burn they burn all the people, right? And Melisandre is like, oh, their souls. Do you hear them? They're going to heaven or wherever it is that they're supposed to be going. Stannis can't be reasoned with, and neither can Melisandre. Mm-hmm. And so at the, din- at the dinner table, she's trying to strike up a conversation. Like, she's reminiscing about the moments that this moment that she and Stannis had what were they doing cooking yes he Stannis cooked a book for her and made stew this was during the siege of storms and I believe yeah and to feed her Stannis had cooked a book because something about like the glue is made from like horses something or some kind of animal something was it a book I thought she was talking about a bird I don't know I thought she said he also cooked seagulls for her oh yes romantic yeah I think she was she was remembering all the romance. <laughs> yes. Stannis is a, a romantic at heart, actually. Mm-hmm. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, she's trying to she's trying to do this at the dinner table, but Melisandre is sitting there. That look on her face, she's just like, yeah, this is so riveting. <laughs> and Stannis is, like, just sitting there grumpily. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. And I don't know what's going on. It reminded me of, like, a scene from Scandal. Yes. <laughs> That show. Oh, my gosh. They're, like, the dysfunctional family with yeah. with this, like, mistress at the table. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like... But the thing is, it's not like Celise doesn't know. Like, she knows they're fucking. Like, she sanctioned that shit. Yeah, but still. I know. so awkward. Anyways, Celise reveals that she's worried about Shireen's soul and calls her sinful. I have no idea why, because I'm not sure what Shireen has done. <laughs> Exists. To be called sinful, because... She's just locked in a tower all the time. I guess it's kind of like... Mother of the Year award for that one. Yeah, not only that, but No, seriously, like, like, you lock your daughter in a tower and then, like, talk about how she's going to go to hell? Like, what? (laughs) I know. And she's all like, oh, she's she's so, like, stubborn. And I'm like, well, if my mom treated me that way, I wouldn't be nice to her about it. You need to beat her with a stick, Stannis. It was very, it was very um, tangled. I thought, I thought Shireen was going to burst into song about her horrible. Home. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, tangled what? Tangled. <laughs> the movie Tangled, you guys. Oh, sorry. But anyway, she thinks uh, Shireen got grayscale as punishment for her sinful ways. Sinful ways? What sinful ways? She was a baby, wasn't she? She was born with it. Like, what? Well, you know what, though? Like, something about the scene obvi- and the obvious parallels between, you know, the worshipping of the Lord of Light and Christianity. And it's like, that is the shit that people say in your family. If something bad happens to someone in your family, they say it's punishment for, like, 
you know, and sometimes people do sincerely believe it. This is punishment. This is retribution for, you know, my sinful ways. So being the kind of person that Celise is, it does not surprise me even the least bit that she would look at some, and look at uh, Shireen's grayscale and see it as a punishment, mm -hmm. but not for punishment for how Stannis has behaved or how she may have behaved, but how Shireen as a child has behaved. I think that speaks volumes to um, the kind of harmful aspects to her religious zealousness. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I got you. Stannis, of course, defends Shireen. Celise then suggests, like, Melisandre speak with Shireen to get her right. Like, to set her right, you know, mm -hmm. to save her soul. And she's going to see if Melisandre can be the cool aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it hilarious that she's like, she's, she goes in and she's like, did you hear, did you see the um, ceremony or whatever? And she's oh, like, yes. I heard it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, people were screaming. And she's like, well, you know, women scream in childbirth. And she, Shireen's like, well, yeah, they don't, they are not um, ash and bone afterwards. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she exposes, it's just her, her ridiculous logic, I guess. Yeah. Also, it's been kind of, I don't know, absurd to suggest that every single woman who's pregnant ever, when she screams after childbirth, like she's happy. happy. <laughs> like, you know, like what, like what if they're giving up the kid for adoption or like what, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you never know the circumstances. What if it's like Loyana? What if you I, die after giving birth to the secret? I mean, <laughs> sorry, moving on. <laughs> anyway, hmm. her grayscale is different from last season, is it? Yeah, I thought the makeup was, I feel like last season looked more flaky. <laughs> but this season, it looks like a snake. I don't want to say snake-like. It looks more like dragon scales. Maybe it's evolving. <laughs> <laughs> she's she going to level up. Yeah, she's leveling up. Shireen, like a Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. Shireen's evolution. Like... Yes. Yeah, super... One thing I like about Geo Shireen. <laughs> One thing I liked about this scene is that you see how and you and I love when this happens, where children are not nearly as innocent or as ignorant as adults would like them to be. She and you can see in this scene that Shireen is very astute. Like she may not have like the right words to use like she can't really outright call melisandre a hypocrite because she might not have the word for it yet mm -hmm. but she you do see her like call melly out on her bullshit like what do you mean like she's like my uncle was a nice man like what do you mean he was sinful he was good to me like you know right melisandre basically explains to shireen why jesus is lord <laughs> and <laughs> there's only one god in the high heavens that we're actually isn't isn't that belief though um, that we're already in hell from Jewish religion? I have no idea. Um, not exactly, but there's some. Um, there's no hell. I can never pronounce it. This maniacism. Oh, fuck, I can never pronounce it. It's this idea of like religion being very rooted in like dualism, mm -hmm. and that's like the basis of Roller, right? It's like good and evil, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Isn't mm -hmm. it Zoroastrianism that's based on? too I think, um, we talked about maybe. This. I think so yeah with the fire and stuff mm -hmm. yeah but I could have sworn I don't remember which religion it was that it was like oh we're already we're already in hell there is no hell let's move on <laughs> let's move on to Bran 
Oh man, the brand. Do you want the to talk brand, about the brand? Man. Brand flakes. Brand baby. Okay, Ran. Bran is awoken by the Hodor alarm clock. <laughs> Hodor, um, Hodor. From his delicious meal, he kills a deer as uh, summer. Oh, yeah, he's having wolf um, dreams. And then his travelers lecture him about how you can't actually eat when you're only eating in your imagination. <laughs> and that he will become very skinny and forget that he is Bran if he continues to role play as a dog all the time. <laughs> he's like a furry. Bran's a furry. And then, like, they're, like, kind of just dragging Bran through the woods on their weird sled thing when Bran sees a tree with red leaves. And he's like, oh, it's the tree from McDonald's. <laughs> so then they go over to Kirby Tree, and they're like, I want to touch the tree. <laughs> so Hodor has to drag him to the tree, and then he touches the tree. Then he has a series of visions. It's like a montage of all the other scenes in the Wait, show. It was, like, previously on Game of Thrones. Is it just me, or did, like, the the werewood have like a really vacant expression it did is it, it supposed did. to look it's just like uh, it looked kind of it looks stoned <laughs> i don't know he's like i'm a werewolf maybe it is stoned you never know <laughs> yeah you never know with all the paste yeah so then there's a series of quick shots there's a picture of a werewood tree or not a picture a vision <laughs> there's a, a raven it has three eyes either that or the third eye is a jelly a licorice jelly bean <laughs> <laughs> on its forehead. Um, and uh, then there's a vision of Ned cleaning the ice. May ice rest in peace. Mm. And I guess Ned too. <laughs> the gods would. So basically he's seeing the past. Some shots of uh, Sean Bean from season one. Yeah. I think they reused the bird footage from when Sam killed the yeah. wildling. Isn't that the same bird footage? It's the it same. Is. All it of is. the footage. All of the footage is exactly is previously used except for one where you see dragon shadows flying over the city. I'm pretty right. sure. Right. It's like the zombie it. horse, Danny's vision of the throne. Yeah. 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 Bran fall- oh, Bran. He hears Cersei yelling, he saw us. Oh, yeah. And then oh. he falls. I guess that's yeah, what So maybe he's starting to remember who pushed him. Mm-hmm. And then the dragon's flying over King's Landing. Right. Yeah. And then the Was tree again King? going, come north. Yeah, wasn't it the Red Keep? It looked like it, but I wasn't sure. I was like, "Is are the dragons flying over there, or are they flying over Karth? Because Karth, isn't that where they left? But the architecture looks really Westerosi. Yeah. Not that there's any consistency in this show whatsoever. But... <laughs> yeah. Maybe there was Wasn't just... it a shot? Was there a shot of the castle itself, the Red Keep? I don't remember. I didn't the get in- it. I mean, the inside, which is where the Iron Throne was, but there isn't. And that was that was taken from Danny's vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just straight up like recycle. Reuse the SFX shots. They're gonna reuse them until <laughs> until the end of time. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this part could have been his visions could have been more interesting. I was hoping yeah, me to too. See, you know, some other stuff that we haven't seen on the show. I was kind of disappointed actually with his vision. I mean, I guess they could. Have, I don't know how fancy they could get with with the budget but i'm kind of just like i think it's because i recognize the clips you know what i mean i think that's part of the problem because i could like pinpoint what season like each montage was from <laughs> like okay season two episode eight <laughs> right <laughs> like why is he seeing all this shit like, i was just like okay he's only seeing up until the show started <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
touched the tree and the tree handed him the DVDs for seasons one to three. <laughs> and then he quickly marathoned them. <laughs> and then after he marathoned them, he was like, that was way too many boobs and not enough important information. <laughs> so that's what Whoa. the sexism and racism. I don't understand. In the behind the scenes, like inside the episode bit, they I feel like they're trying to play as though the audience doesn't know, like, Bran doesn't know whether he's looking at the past or the future, so, like, you guys as the audience shouldn't know whether he's looking at the present or the future, but I was like, but, but we know. We do know. <laughs> not, ex- oh. not, like, we can pinpoint the fact that some of these scenes that he's looking at, we've already seen, you know? Mm-hmm. It was sad that he saw Ned. Oh, it just made me sad. Oh, yeah, because he didn't actually see his execution. No, he didn't. Yeah, a lot of the stuff. But where's Catelyn? Yeah, she wasn't in there. Oh, I, I Catelyn? mean, Catelyn's not cool enough <laughs> for Bran to, to have visions. Yeah, about his mom. Oh, I wonder why they didn't. Okay, anyway, <laughs> more Bran stuff coming. He had a dream about her in like season two. Yeah, didn't he, he did. But she yeah. pushed him. Yeah, she was bossy and mean. Out of mean. the tree. <laughs> you know, this show doesn't like mothers very much. But let's move on. <laughs> so they're gonna go north. Bran and his co-crew. Wait, was um. Did Jojen sound a little bit jealous when he was like, oh, Bran gets the warg? I it must it was funny. be so fun to pretend to be a dog and just <laughs> run around all the time while we sit here waiting for you to wake up. And to freeze their butts off. <laughs> I thought he was trying to be, like, sympathetic. Because okay. cause he yeah. did say, like, you know, like, it must be so freeing to be able to walk and run, which is something that obviously Bran can't do anymore. Oh, I think okay. he was trying to be sympathetic. But then, on the other hand, I mean, it does play into the whole thing of, like, you know, being crippled means you're broken. So, like, why would you ever want to be crippled ever? Because that's terrible. Like, how do you function? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that that whole line of, like, his speech was sort of, like, erring in that direction. Um, Oh, I feel sorry for you, Bran. Yeah, Bran. I think you should uh, become Avatar and go hang out with some Navi. I think that fixed it. Yeah. Not Avatar the Last Airbender, like actually, no. like the blue Avatar. No, Avatar the Last Airbender did a way better job with disability and representation than That's the so Avatar true. movie. Yeah. That is so true. Anyway, um, so let's go to King's Landing, Marissa. King's Landing. Hey, King's Landing. Um, breakfast with Tyrion and Jamie. Me oh. is clumsy and knocks over the goblet. <laughs> I was so happy yes. when that happened. It's just like a gif. It's just like a gif. Gif. Gif <laughs> is terrible. It's not gif. Gif is peanut butter. I refuse. I refuse. Um, so Tyrion's trying to encourage Jamie. They're being brotherly. Jamie's like, if somebody, if people learn that I can't fight, then I'm going to be so screwed. So Tyrion says, I know a really discreet man. Well, is there anything else about the dinner scene before I move, or breakfast scene before I move on? Um, I mean, I thought it was just touching, you know, like Jamie's like down in the dumps. And Tyrion's like, cheer up, brother. Like, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I liked like, the scene. Don't worry. You no think time. that Tyrion is, um... A little enjoying that Jamie has fallen from grace the same I way do. that yes. Cersei and he, he like himself have. 
Because yeah. like, oh, yeah, now Jamie we... used to be the guy who could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he's like, oh, yeah, now we both have a disability. And now you know what it feels like. Right. Like the dwarf, the cripple, and what did he call The mother of madness. And the mother of madness, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Lannisters are going down right Which now. would make Jamie the father of madness. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But Tyrion's not going to say Or anything. the uncle of madness. <laughs> or the father uncle of madness. The father uncle. <laughs> <laughs> the father uncle. This sounds like some family cult thing. Oh you're, I'm your father uncle. <laughs> it sounds like, I don't know, something from an arrested development. And he'd be like, Yes, Jamie, you're the uncle. <laughs> the father. <laughs> Surprise, Surprise. And then he, he breaks a chair. Because <laughs> he can't believe it. Anyway, no, sorry. No. Yeah, so um, then Jamie goes and trains with Braun. Tyrion promised Jamie that Braun was super discreet, which is why Braun immediately tells Jamie who exactly he's carrying on his secret affair with. <laughs> Seriously. Right. He's like, I'm totally trustworthy. Here's a secret. And you say, sure, hit me with a pointy object. Wait, who was, who was he carrying his secret affair with? Some I don't lord. remember. Some, Some random ass lord. Rich dude's wife. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just, I kind of, I'm kind of over Braun. <laughs> I know, right? He's like, this I is where I fought. Like huh? But he's, a lot of people really like him, but he's just like too cool for school, man. Yeah, he, isn't he though? He is. He's, he's just that kind of guy who's just like, I do whatever the hell I want. But you don't though. You really don't. He's not <laughs> very um, nuanced. He's kind of one no. note. Yeah, he indeed, indeed. He's supposed to be like a simple guy, though. Like, even in the books, he's just like, okay, money talks, bullshit walks, I'm here for the money. <laughs> I guess, but it gets kind of boring. I'm like, can he do something interesting? Like his whole spiel about like, oh yeah, like no one's going to notice that we're here because the girl that I, the woman that I have sex with, she screams really loudly, but you know, no one hears that. So we'll be fine. Like, like He's got to like drop a line about how awesome he is at the same time. Sure but it's but his, but everything is just like woman I'm with, swords and alcohol. <laughs> like, that's everything. Swords and alcohol. That's all he it's talks true. about. <laughs> I don't know. I just started laughing because I was like, this is such an absurd ass conversation. Like I kind of wish Jamie was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't pay you to talk. <laughs> like, but it was really funny because Jamie's like, I think he gives him um, a blunt sword. And Jamie's like, I haven't used a blood sword since I was nine. And he's, <laughs> he's, Aww, like, he's like upset. He's like really pissy about it. And I was like, dude, you could barely. I was like, you, you don't have a, you don't have your other hand. And you you could, spilled your wine, fool. You knocked over your wine glass like two seconds ago. What are you doing? <laughs> but they, they, ha- they decide to fight with blood swords anyway, right? Because Braun would have taken Jamie's off. Jamie's not that stupid. Yeah. Braun would have taken off his other hand by accident. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, so they have this like fight, play fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess while they're having that play fight. Did you guys, I was going to say, did you guys catch the parallels between like Varys's conversation with Tyrion and Varys's conversation with Ned Stark? Where it was like, Tyrion was like, you can lie for me and Versus, like, uh, I could, but I won't, which is a very similar response that he gave to Ned when Ned was just like, You could break me out of here. And he's just like, I could, but I won't. <laughs> it's kind of like Varys meeting. And, and I thought that was very interesting too, because Varys has this conversation with Ned and then, like, you know, 
couple scenes later, he's beheaded. Uh-huh. Um, and then you see various other conversation with Tyrion, and a couple of scenes later, he gets framed for murder. <laughs> so it's like, you know, shit. Don't like, talk stop to Stop talking to Varys. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're drowned or something. Or <laughs> Help me understand Varys, though. Because did Varys take his own initiative to bribe Shay out last season? He, he did, I think. And why would he do that? I don't know what theories. That's a good question. Oh, no, no, no. Didn't they have a conversation between Shay and Varys where he was just like, you are, like, from my homeland or some shit, so, like, let me help you out before shit hits the fan? What, like, you're a foreigner, I'm a foreigner, all foreigners help each other out? Yes. But I don't believe that for a second. No, me neither. He doesn't have a soft spot for foreigners, does he? (laughs) No, he doesn't. I mean, it was bullshit, but, I mean... So what would be his motive? Yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't he want Tyrion to be upset that his girlfriend is dead? Because then he could one-up Tyrion? Hmm. I don't know. Or does he want, like, Tyrion and Sansa to be a happy couple? Because it's more stable that Maybe. way? Like, what is his goal? I don't think it's about them being a happy couple. I think he just wants to keep the st- stability. I don't even know if Varys is concerned about stability. Because if you think about it, he could have helped Ned, but he didn't. And Ned's being alive, well, I mean, yeah, that's that would contribute to stability. Like, yes, he would have escaped, but at least he, he did help been- Ned. He told Ned exactly what to say to prevent himself from being executed. Varys oh, is the one Ned- who subliminally said, "Ned, you have to fess up, even if you're innocent, to save Arya and Sansa." Mm-hmm. In in like a more subtle way, but he dropped the hint that Ned had to lie. So when Ned was about to be executed. He lied, and he said, I am guilty. And then nobody could predict that Joffrey was going to kill Ned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. true. Well, so, I guess we'll figure... I mean, he kind of helped Ned. Yeah, it's true. I guess we'll figure out maybe later on, because I can't really tell where the show's taking him. I guess we can speculate from the books what he wants. Mm-hmm. But that's spoilers. Um, <laughs> so then... Afterwards, we go to the rehearsal dinner. Mace Tyrell presents the royal couple with a goblet, with a fancy goblet. Um, and Joffrey's being really nice. He's um, too excited. Yeah. yeah. At this time, like Cersei points out Shay to, Tyr- to Tywin, who tells Cersei to have her brought to his chambers before the wedding. What do you think she was saying? Like, I, I, at first, I assumed that she was like pointing out that. It was like Tyrion's lover or something, but then again, it, like, is she setting Tyrion up? Does she even know? Who or... Cersei? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. She she just said all she says to to Tywin is like, "Look there, the girl with the dark hair. Like that's the one that's you know I told Tyrion's you she for." Was yeah, yeah. And then Tywin's just like, "We'll have her brought to the Tower of the Hand before the wedding." He explicitly, and I, I do. I think that was very specific. But she didn't order. say Tyrion. That's why I was like, "Does she even know?" What's going she on? Has with her to. She has to. Okay. Yeah. Tyrion presents Joff with a book of the histories of the kings in Westeros, and Joff is like, "Yeah, I mean, it's totally a good time to to read." About- He's like trying to be a good uncle, right? But it's kind of a diss too. It's like you need some wisdom on how to be a good leader, right? And he's like, "Yeah, we could all use some wisdom." And Sansa and Tyrion look at each other like, "Uh huh." He's been kidnapped or has been um brain napped by like Bran Stark is warging him or maybe Sansa's warging him 
if Sansa was a warg, that would solve all her problems. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so Tywin then presents Joff with the twin to Jamie's sword. He chops up Tyrion's book, not even in half. He was just like whacking at it. Yeah. Like, this little. <laughs> and with a Valyrian sword. Uh-huh. I mean, seriously. So messed up. And wasn't that a rare... real classy Joffrey? Wasn't, wasn't it a rare, rare book too? Yes, it was a rare book, and that sword is dangerous. Like, and you're hacking at it yeah. in front of your get. Like, what is God? This he was twirling me. around with it like Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then he names the blade Widow's Whale, mm-hmm. which is as per suggestions from the crowd. Yeah, like five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's <what>? taking. <laughs> He's taking suggestions. Remember sure. last episode, Sansor said that only expletives name their swords. So it's like a callback to that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Shay enters Tyrion's chambers um, after this in the next scene. But Tyrion, gets, Tyrion, gets, really, Tyrion gets really angry and um, slips out of his accent for a little totally bit. Totally out. Oh, my God. I was just like, oh. Please get this guy a dialect coach. Because when he gets angry, like when he's supposed to be playing angry, he just slips right out of the accent. So it's kind of distracting. But It's super distracting. But they're having, she. he's basically, um, it was really funny. My friend was like, go on, get. And I was just like, what? And they're talk- so they were like, oh, it's from White Fang. You know, when like somebody tells their dog. Oh, oh no. To go. To go away. Yeah. They're like, I don't love you. Go. And like throw things at their dog. You know. Oh, no. Didn't Arya do this? Arya did that to Nymeria. Oh, so it was right. Like Tyrion was, you know. She didn't say go on get. No, she <laughs> didn't. But in White Fang, the kid says go on get. But yeah, so Tyrion basically lies to her. And he's like, I don't love you. And I can't have kids with a whore. That and is such a terrible scene. I'm sorry. Really? You didn't like it? ways to hurt her. It was, I thought, I, yeah, I thought it was cheesy. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It was like, he was saying all this, I don't love you anymore while there are tears in my eyes and I can't look you in the eye because obviously I don't feel that way. Like, it's just cliche. It was so cliche that, and I don't know if it, it was maybe just like the dialogue or like the way it was directed or like the choice in acting, but I was just like, you're Or a the boy. choice to be slut shaming. Like, I mean, and even the thing where she, like, throws it back in his face, like, or how many whores have you slept with? That was such a sh- short-lived thing. Like, she says one line, and he goes on this whole spiel about how she's a whore and how many men she's been with and how she's not fit to I was bear like, children. like, you want to talk, Tyrion. Like, I just, I was just kind of started rolling There's... my eyes in that scene because I thought it was so, like, I don't know. Out of all, I feel like that was probably the worst written scene of the episode. I really hated it. Really? I think, yeah, I think, I think for a while now we've been saying that, Shay's behavior where she she's just being quote-unquote unreasonable it's just so night and day between how she is when she's with Sansa that it's almost unbelievable like it just doesn't make any sense to me so in this particular scene where she's just like how do you like where do you want me and he's just like we need to end our friendship and she was like friendship and I was like oh my god like am I watching Degrassi like what the hell is this it's terrible I'm sorry I really hated the dialogue in this scene and I think Peter Dinklage's accent just made it worse for me this I think this is definitely one of my least favorite scenes of the whole episode 
I got like a little misty eyed. I felt bad for him. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tyrion, oh, this is sad. And then it was like, what the fuck is up with the slut shaming? Well, why can't he just communicate directly? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Tyrion to say something like that, though. No. Yeah, Tyrion those... has a lot of like stigma and weird issues with sex workers and. Right. With Taisha. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he would put it in those words, but he would definitely wouldn't put it past him to say something like that. Yeah. It's never going to work out, babe. It's never going to happen. After that, um, we're back to Marge and Joffrey. Oh, wait, wait. Before we we go, I think we should say that Tyrion, like, is like, you're going to have, you're going to be on the ship. You're going to have your own cabin because that, like, totally makes things better. Um, and I think he arranges to have her sent to Pentos. Pentos. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that, or so we think. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So we're back at the wedding, or we're at the, you know, the great hall or whatever it's called. The ceremony. The sept, mm-hmm. right? <gasps> yes. So I like the callback to Robert Baratheon's theme song. I don't remember. They they play like do 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 do, but like instead it's like a choir singing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the return of Robert's theme. It's so lovely. His lay motif. <laughs> Astra, I always thought that lay motif was really like stupid. It's like super cheesy. Really? But it's like I think so. Like it's all trying to be like. It sounded too Disney when it first came out. I don't know. I'm picky. Well, well, isn't that isn't that kind of fitting? do 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 terrible father and a whole bunch of other stuff and he was just like whoring his way through the seven kingdoms so i think it's kind of fitting that his theme sounds like that but he's like the antithesis of disney prince is that getting too deep too meta no no i get it i get it (laughs) (laughs) and for joff it works too because he's the same thing he's like yeah love it at first sight he's like the bad guy from frozen Uh uh-huh what do you think about the dress? It's ugly. I was like, oh, I hate that dress. It's so Would fun. you say yes to the dress? Awful. No, awful. It was hideous. You wouldn't say yes to the dress? No, it is so... I like the thorn. It is so... I like the silver. Oh. I didn't like her hair. Uh-uh. No one should oh get married. Her, her hair. I saw pictures of it, but to see that shit in motion, holy crap. I just feel like her whole getup was a bit, and it's the hair. Maybe the dress isn't so bad. I don't know why she's in white. Like ugh, it's just so irksome. But anyway, I feel like her hair was so like eighties prom. It was too big. Like it was full of secrets or some shit. And like it was, I didn't like it from the promo pictures, but it was absolutely terrible in motion. Like I don't understand. Like yeah, you would think it would look better in motion, but it really it didn't. really doesn't. If anything, it made it look worse in mo- in motion, which is a shame because in contrast, Joffrey looked great. Joffrey I love amazing. Yes, yeah, I he looked the- like a king. Yes, he did. I love the details in his in the fabric of his um, clothing and the sash. His beautiful draping. His crown was um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was stags horns with a woven um rose but it was yeah, like silver a, roses yes but the roses weren't bloomed and you could see like the it was it was very beautiful so when you look at how some of the costume is so inconsistent because it's like yeah. she was trying to make marjorie look 
you know, she put the thorns on it and everything. But I was like, couldn't the thorns have been like a different? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it, it just gave me this like tacky punk rock. Yes. Yes. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't even that. It was not even punk rock. It's like hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. It's like some hot topic realness. I was like, like this is like this is the kind of wedding dress that hot topic girls would would make would make would like, want. Mm-mm. A lot of I people think... like this dress, but I was just like, no I, way, I, dude. I, I think it's so well. Fun. I mean, if you think about Marjorie and her giant like toilet paper tube. <laughs> like season two, you're like, it's kind of upgrade. Okay, <laughs> they put her in the worst. I don't know, man. Marge is supposed to be from High Garden, and just like what I want for her and what I want her to be wearing is not what they've been putting her in. Yes, I want stuff from the tutors or something, or from mm-hmm. the Borges, like that kind of stuff. Exactly. That's that's see. That's another thing. Because one thing I I found about High Garden that I found very strange is the heavy brocade and like um. And embroidery that they wear, and I just don't see them. Like I saw them in more flowy, um, sort of like carefree, like cinched at the waist type dresses. Like it's I didn't stuff see that them reminds in... you of roses, right? Soft. Like I don't like. I feel like having heavy material with with roses, like you know, embroidered into it. That's not like that's not enough. Like that's and not. And if you want to like disarm the Lannisters with your wedding, don't have her show up wearing like. A ton of thorns all over her. Yeah, right? You know? I mean, I get the point. I get the idea of it to have, yeah. like, thorns on this soft colored wedding dress. But I just, it didn't, the execution was meh. Yeah, you know what? I, this had me thinking of Alexander McQueen and how, like, his whole thing with, you know, making his dresses, making women look fearsome in his dresses. And I think... One thing um, that Marjorie's dress lacked that I think would have benefited from is structure. Mm-hmm. Like, forget the roses and the thorns, but like a well tailored dress that has incredible like structure to it that can also be very intimidating and have almost an armor like effect to mm-hmm. it. But you know, Michelle doesn't do structure. I feel like the closest she ever gets to structure is that horrible two dress and Cersei's like armor dress, and neither of those are. Although I didn't mind, I thought Cersei's dress in the wedding was some pretty of Danny's nice. like armor dresses stuff works, I guess. One thing I liked about the wedding scene, I don't know if I liked it. I guess it was a pretty poignant thing. Was Sansa says like really bitterly, she's like, "Oh well, we have a new queen now," and then Tyrion says, "Better her than you." Mm-hmm. Almost as if, like, right then there, like, they've marked her to fail. Mm -hmm. Little did they know. (laughs) Little did they know. Um, You know, there was a really nice shot while the ceremony is going on. And I forgot what the words that they were saying were exactly. But behind, I think it was, like, behind the shot of Marjorie, there was, like, Sansa and Loris and the Queen of Thorns and Oberyn. She was out of focus and they were in focus. Mm-hmm. And it was when, it was right when they said something really in- interesting. Like, can't was this the line where they were like, and may whoever tear them asunder be eternally <laughs> cursed or yes, something? Yes, that line. I thought it only zoomed up on Elena, but I guess it zooms up on everybody. Yeah, because... But I it like it. pans and stops. Let's put all the suspects in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was subtle. I like the directing.
so we finally get to the I was so excited about this dinner the wedding <laughs> dinner you don't understand I was like squirming and flailing and stuff and I was it was like, not a dinner it looked like lunch a feast didn't it look like a Christmas party because <laughs> everything was red and green did you guys not think that like seriously Every, the entire motif was green and red. I'm like, nobody sat down and thought to themselves, hmm, this looks like a scene from, I don't know, some Christmas movie, a Christmas story or some shit. Like, it was in the day, so, you know, not as Christmassy. What? I no, I, there's a certain tone of red and green that when they put, then when it's put together, no matter what, your mind shoots to Christmas. And I think if they had either lightened up the green a bit maybe that would and probably included more gold and mm. less of whatever the hell i mean really if you watch the opening scene uh for the uh wedding reception you'll see exactly what i'm talking about especially when you look at the centerpieces that are red surrounded by like green i'm like is that a poinsettia like what's going on <laughs> it's not christmas I didn't even notice. I thought I, I mostly, but you know what? I was live tweeting, so I never really pay attention. <laughs> but yeah, um, Elena and Tywin are talking about war and the crown's debt. I actually missed that conversation. It was, it was brief. I think the funniest thing was the that Iron least... Bank will have its due. Right. No, it won't. The, the thing With that Holmes. stuck out to me was um, that Mace Tyrell was like, Elena, she was like, God, Mace. Like, oh, that was funny. You that was everything. <laughs> He's like, she's like, I can't talk to you right now. She's like, I'm talking. Yeah. Run along. But that is that is very canon because yeah. Mace is, yeah, nothing to write home about. The men in the Tyrell family aren't really. Well, that's a lie. Loris is supposed to be impressive. Generation 2 is supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Willow, Scarlet, and Loris. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Loris has not been cast. I don't think they're ever going to get him. And Loris has been turned into a stereotype. And a joke. And a joke. And Garland's kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Where is Garland? Anyway, so they're talking about that, and that part was really funny, I thought. <clears throat> Braun also, at this point, confirms that Shay is on the ship. Or but- does he? I don't know. What's going That's on? the thing. Like, I was trying I to figure out if he was lying or not. And just get drunk. He was like, convince yourself that you did the right thing. Which a part of me is just like, I mean, could Braun be in on it? Or, or could, like, if something happens to Shay, you know, could Braun be in on it? Or is that he genuinely put her on the ship and maybe the ship's captain was, like, in on it or something? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He might. He might not know. I was... I thought it was really weird. I was just like, okay, are they, is he actually being truthful? Is she actually on the ship? Like, what is going to happen right. at this point? Because I was like, I feel like she's not on that ship. Like, there's no way. I don't know. She's yeah. sailing to Danny. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's going to get so much. Well, she would get protection from Danny. Yeah. If she knew where she was. So let's oh. talk about the attendees of this wedding reception because, like, everyone and their mom is there. Like, we have the Tyrells, Jamie's there, Brienne makes an appearance, the Martells. Which did you catch the the scene where they first appear? And so, yeah, Pixie Lanot is there. Yes, Pixie Lanot is there. And then, is that over- wedding? Is that wedding uh, appropriate? At Pixie Joffrey's Lanot. wedding. Yeah, at Joffrey's wedding. Pixie Lanot so, in a thong. Oberyn walks in. Strippers' wedding. <laughs> Oberyn walks in and he's like, "Hi," and then Tyrion looks at him and is like, "Hi," and then Oberyn's like, "Not you." <laughs> Who were they talking to? I think they were. I think I think Oberyn was saying hi in general, like hello in general, because oh. he was, he had seen Pixie Lanat 
doing her thing oh. right who we are assuming is pixie luna which that scene had me laughing half because it was like the martels can't function without sex apparently <laughs> because it's like they see pixie now they're like ooh, sex and then like there's a scene that comes later between Oberyn and they're Loris. like it's making like, out at the party yeah but i thought it was cute that they were making out of the party but i thought yeah. it was weird that he started um because i feel like that's something that they would probably do because he's just Oberyn is kind of flagrant that way so i feel like that's something that they would do but i um, i mean robert did stuff like that too at parties yeah but i don't i didn't get the whole flirting with loris thing uh, i hated that scene i'm sorry <laughs> like this weird like okay if we're gonna do martels people of color could we not fall into orientalizing tropes and i don't mean like orientalizing like east asian i mean like the original definition where like it was like these near eastern northern african mm-hmm. mediterranean and middle eastern cultures that got orientalized and one of the things that happened there is this whole hypersexualization of the people there right and so what an intentional or un- an unintentional or maybe intentional i don't know side effect of all this is like oberon and laria are these like licentious and like poor social boundaries hypersexualized beings yeah yeah that's a punchline it's like hey audience don't forget these two they're the horny ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially considering the fact that like the last major scene we had with the martels prior to this was at a brothel so when they stopped I'm like oh look at pixie i'm kind of just like all right like can, what i don't know it just kind of irks me a bit i, I missed that part so hey <laughs> maybe i'm just lucky that way um, I don't know, but you know what else? It's kind of just like they were so fascinated by Pixie. Like you don't find women with those kinds of skills in Dorne. Like I don't they know. They would. I that. They totally would. She's a professional contortionist. They yeah. have plenty of those in Dorne. I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> they also have snake charmers come on guys <laughs> why would he be impressed with anything in the capital seriously <laughs> though seriously Dorne has everything come on <laughs> seriously <clears throat> anyway Elena apologizes to Sansa about her father, right? Yeah. And caresses her cheek and offers her comfort and fixes her necklace. Fixes her necklace. Fixes her necklace. And yeah. suggests that Sansa... The necklace it. that Sansa only got one episode ago. Yeah. The necklace is interesting, too. It's like seven-pointed star, kind of. It's like points. Mm-hmm. Oh. She does that, and like at this point, Marge is doing her queenly duties. And of course, Oberyn, during this time, Oberyn's making eyes at Loris. Loris is way younger than him, I'm saying. Um, one thing I thought I liked with the whole dynamic of the scene is how every character in some ways interacts with the other. Like, it, it's kind of as like a bouncing back and forth, right? So Oberyn makes eyes at Loris. Loris, looking at Oberyn, bumps into Jamie, and then that starts another interaction thing. So we kind of do touch up on major players. It's kind of like a watching clue, like a whodunit, mm-hmm. you know? Like, because so, everyone's around. Yeah, so Loris gets pushed around by Jamie. I'm such a... What, what, who? Okay, so I obviously I was not paying close attention because he was like, Oh, you will never, you will never marry her? Yes. And then, oh no, like, who is yeah, Jamie son? says, You're never gonna marry Cersei. And then Loris is like, like, You aren't gonna either. I feel like the way he said it though, like, he was just like, My sister will never, 
ever marry you or something there's something about the wording that's so he ambiguous said, like you're never gonna get to marry her and right, then Loris is like neither are you right because incest brother at this point they're planning to marry Loris to Cersei yeah yeah okay because I I just remembered all right so yeah that and that's why Cersei's mad at Jamie too it's like she's engaged to Loris and can't do anything about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was weird it was weird because he was just like. It was Jamie like trying to puff up a little. Yeah, which is in character for Jamie, I guess. But the, the maybe it's just the way he was just like, and she will kill whatever child you manage to like put. I don't know. <laughs> just like, all right, Jamie. Like, my like God, all right. Like, wow. What awesome. kind of person are you describing? Like, <laughs> hey, chill out, Jamie. <laughs> Seriously. All right. right? Calm yeah, Loris is like not even into your dick matching contest. Just bug off. Yeah, <laughs> Loris was flirting with Oberyn. <laughs> like Jamie didn't notice he was making like he was like oh, Loris yeah. has like an excellent gaydar or something because <laughs> or Oberyn has excellent gaydar. Yeah, or, or Oberyn's probably heard at this point. Bidar, you know, it's just like a sonar. <laughs> Did you say Bidar? Bidar. Bidar. Pandar. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so what about? Yeah. Cersei and Brienne's meeting. Ooh, that was great. That was great. That was great. That, that was, was great. like a spoil to the Loras and Jamie meeting. Yes, but it was. But you know what? It's weird, I think, that Brienne is like out in the open right there. Yes, Loras doesn't I, I say agree. anything. That's yeah. true, too. I just Maybe thought... Maybe Marge talked him out of it. I don't know. But Loras Marge doesn't even have enough of a, of a presence on the show for anyone to warrant a react like they had not spent time establishing a Loris's love for Renly and B like how, how, how he's been grieving as a result of that. So if Loris was to like randomly like pop out, I'm like, Brian, I'm going to shank you. Like they, it wouldn't make sense. It really mm-hmm. wouldn't because it would require some explanation because it's been a long ass time since we marinated in Loris's grief. Mm-hmm. That's true. We didn't, but, I don't even, we didn't get to see his grief really. Yeah. yeah we don't terrible. have his like when the sun has set, no can can replace it. Oh, that's such yeah. a good line. Yeah. You said what the hell Brienne is Brienne and Cersei, wearing? though. It was Wait, great. There's a note here that says, what the hell is Brienne wearing? I just think it was really hideous. Like, I don't know. It just... <laughs> Do you think Brienne, like, cares? She's just looking for something no. that fits. <laughs> no. But, but, no. Okay, so here's my thing. Is that if Brienne is going for comfort, there's definitely a more structured look that I feel like mm. she could have gone for. And something about her dress or whatever just looks so frumpy like if you're a fighter you're not gonna be buy her some clothes (laughs) seriously maybe i was just thinking too practically because i was just thinking like if you're a a person who prides yourself as a fighter you wouldn't wear something like that like but the thing is that i feel like it kind of matches brianne because she's uncomfortable and stuff like that and she looked uncomfortable and she was like twisting her hands behind her back was that supposed to be a dress for her like yeah i think it's brianne's equivalent of a dress yeah, I think it's kind better of better than that pink thing she had. Yeah, but I thought it was fitting that she would be like awkward to be standing in this awkward fitting outfit, even it was though a beautiful color. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'll give it that. It I brought just, out her eyes. Yes, I just kind of thought that it would. It looked like it was missing a few scenes or something. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, not no. the nicest costume. Oh, it's oops. not. It was like smockish. Oh. Oh, I'm like, is this underdesigned? Like, especially considering the embroidery of her, of her, of the house tarth mm-hmm. was so beautiful. And then she's on a plane, like nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I felt like she was wearing um something from High Garden, wasn't she? 
was she? No, I think it was just, like, something she found. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, she basically came to King's Landing wearing barely anything, right? Mm-hmm. That is like, true. Like, she just had, like, the clothes on her back. That's true. All so right. she probably had to improvise. So I always thought that, like, Brienne was, like, kind of, or at least in this scene, is it totally a threat to Cersei? Because Cersei always blamed a lot of things on being born a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this idea, like, if only I was a man, then I could fight and be a knight like Jamie and do all these things. And here's Brienne, who is still very much a woman and able to do all these things that Cersei blamed, like, being a woman on for not being able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a way, just by merely existing and being present, Brienne is challenging a lot of Cersei's worldview and a lot of Cersei's mm-hmm. internalized sexism. Right. She said something pointedly to her about being a woman, too. I can't remember the exact yeah, line. You are a lady. That's who your dad is. about bowing? No, yeah, she was like, oh, right. did you did you just bow? And she's just like, oh, I never, I never really learned how to curtsy. And then she was like, yeah. you, later on, she comes up to her. She's like, you are a lady despite not wanting to be or something like that? Or Didn't she like, give a shit about curtsying, too, at some point in, like, season one? It's, I Ugh. think it's, like, her internalized. Oh, no, she gave shit about curtsying. Right. In season, and during the Blackwater episode, she was mm-hmm. like, do you even know how to curtsy? Right. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, these women who are supposed to be highborn like me, and this is what I was forced to do kind of thing. She sounds, like, very resentful. Yeah, because Brienne's dad, like, let her run around with swords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but So they're having this conversation, too, about Jamie. She says something like, oh, you... You, it must be nice for you to be able to skip around to whatever camp you feel like being loyal to. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, really trying to get at Brienne. Brienne's like, oh, I'm not sworn to Jamie. And Cersei's like, but you love him, don't you? Mm-hmm. And at first I didn't really like this scene that much. And I was just kind of like, this is kind of, it's out of... We were trying to, like, figure out what Brienne's expression like, if she was like, ah, this lady's crap her mind. Or if she was like, oh my gosh, she's right. Like, we couldn't <laughs> figure out what was going through Brian's mind. And we thought that was an interesting way to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate the tight shot on her, on her face. Because when she's talking about Jamie, you see these little smiles playing on her lips. You know, she's looking down, you know. And then when Cersei brings it to her attention, like, you're in love with him. Brienne doesn't deny it. She doesn't look appalled. She kind of like looks at, I feel like she's trying to measure Cersei. She's like, how do I respond to the situation? And she chooses silence, which I think is a very smart move, but also a testament to her, to her character. Because even though she doesn't speak to Cersei, when she turns away, she glances at Jamie, who glances back before she walks away. Mm-hmm. I mean, what could she have said? Not a damn thing. Um, no, not, oh. I'm not in love with your brother lover. <laughs> brother lover. Oh, man. There's not a damn thing she could have said. And she knew it. And Cersei knew it. Better to just walk away. It's like one but of those exactly. awkward conversations that you have at a wedding. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go get another drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be over here. I'm be over here. So the next part, I actually missed this. It's like Pycelle. Um, Yes, so Pycelle is putting the moves on some young thing, being a disgusting, lecherous predator like he is. And Cersei's just like basically tells him that his entire in- existence antagonizes her, which I 
totally concur with that shit. Right. Um, but she tells Pycelle, which I thought, I don't know how many people caught this, but she basically undermines Marjorie because earlier in the episode, in the, big, uh, in the you know, wedding after party thing, Marjorie says, King Joffrey has graciously like said that leftovers from our wedding will go to the ports in the city. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, we see Marjorie tell... Um, uh, Pycelle to send the leftovers to the kennels yeah. to feed the dogs instead. And so Pycelle obviously, you know, objects and he's just like, but Queen Marjorie and, you know, Cersei's just like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She's was just like, I am the queen and I tell you, like, you know, you see her like totally not willing to let go of the fact that she is no longer queen regent. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she does this really spiteful thing like fuck the poor i'm gonna totally undermine uh marjorie's first decree mm-hmm. more or less as queen and yeah yeah i mean so did cersei lose her power when joffrey got married was that his coming of age yeah i suppose that makes yes. sense because now she's no longer you know queen or queen regent she's just cersei his mama his mom so Joff is being a total douchebag, right? As usual, point? yeah. This is not when he Don't brings forget, out his though, display. The, the Ty, Ty, sorry, Tywin and Cersei talk to Oberyn and Ilaria about oh, bastards right. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ilaria, whose dress is also not great, um, <laughs> <laughs> is like, Cersei said something about bastards. Oh, I've never met a sand before. And Alaria gets the serious look on her face. And she's almost intimidating her. Oh, okay. So Indira is so good, by the way. Just gotta say. With the little that she has. Um, she's like, I have 10,000 brothers and sisters. And I don't know if it's a, if that's a threat. Because it sounded like a threat to me. I, was, I, was I right to read that as a kind of threat? I think you were right. Because for Alaria, it's pride. Like, she doesn't see it as insulting. As far as she's concerned, family is, is strength. And because, you know, bastards aren't treated like shit in Dorne, then she can proudly say that I have 10,000 brothers and sisters, you yeah, know? and she... And she can be like, you know, this is how Doran rolls, basically. Right. One thing I did find particularly strange, and I don't know if maybe it was just, it's probably because uh, Cersei sneered at her, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that her face totally fell when um, Cersei was like, I've never met a sand before, you right. know? And this is the woman who, like, publicly, you know, was just like, I'm a bastard, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to let people know. But I, I, in hindsight, now I think about it, I realize it might just be because when the when Oliver called her lady he wasn't trying to insult her whereas Cersei looking at her and going I've never met a sand before she's trying to insult her name right. and there's power in a name you know mm-hmm. but whereas in west you know the west of Westeros where a name like sand has no power it's different in Dorne mm-hmm. so I can see her not being kosher with that right and so Oberyn comes back at her and to defend his lady Former Cersei, that's what he calls her. I was like, really? Former queen. What is Cersei again? I can't remember. You must repeat it it one more time. Well, he he calls her lady. She's like the queen mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, queen mother. She's not queen regent anymore. And he calls her the former queen. The former queen. Yes. And he says it a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm just going to make this stick home with you. How about that? I'm just going to call you the former queen. A couple more times. He also digs into Tywin, too. Oh, yeah. About how, oh, in Dorne, we don't kill women and children. Needless, we don't rape and kill and, you know. Is this the right time, Oberyn? (laughs) 
at the <laughs> wedding. Really? Hey, really? Hey, Oberyn's that dude. Mm. He's going to be mad at Honest at your wedding. Don't invite him to yours. Next thing you know, he's telling the telling the bride about how the groom was like getting wild at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> he's like kind of staring down Thailand because I mean, I guess it's a perfect time to do it at a wedding because you know all hell can't break loose at a wedding, or so we think. Mm. Mm. Or at least not this wedding. Rob Stark's wedding, yeah, but not this wedding. Everyone thought the it. accent seemed a little wobbly in this scene too. Like I felt like um, Ilaria's accent and Oberyn's accent were very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A little bit. Joffrey then brings out the entertainment for the night, right? Awful. Which is little people, a bunch of little people dressed as the kings. It's just as um, all the warring kings. Yeah, and really awkward. So they're reenacting what has happened so far and the fact that Joff has won the war, basically. And they're reenacting this whole, like, you know, the last four seasons of kings fighting each other. And it's done in a really crass way. Was that Melisandre type? No, it wasn't. It was like Rob and Talisa. Stannis riding Melisandre, mm-hmm. Renly riding Loras instead of a horse. Balon Greyjoy riding a kind of a cute squid, actually. It was kind of cute. This is like squid. And then like Rob Stark, I think he was riding a horse, but wearing a wolf, wolf head. head. Mm-hmm. So uh, first they stab, I think it was, they stab Stannis or something like that. No, it was like Renly, I think. The, the wildfire exploded yeah. for Stannis. And some other Balon stuff happened. Greyjoy and Rob Stark like, beat each other up a little. Right. And then... And the whole time, I mean, some people are amused. Tommen laughed. Who was amused? Was weird. Tommen I mean, was just like, oh, this is amusing. Tommen. I don't know. He was like the entire so now. What the heck? When Like in the Blackwater episode, he's like on Cersei's lap. And in this episode, he looks taller than Cersei. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you guys caught this, but when the little people first came out, Tommen laughed, looked at Tyrion, and then his face facial expression changed so i'm not like yeah, we're kind of look. He, no Tyrion didn't look at him he looked at Tyrion like it's like you could see him like glance at Tyrion at the point oh. of his eye and then adjust himself like as in oh shit i should not be laughing at this so i i when i noticed that i thought it was strange afterwards to see him laughing mm-hmm. while his uncle is sitting next to him after he made that adjustment i don't know i just thought that was a weird decision to make i feel like Tommen, even though he's young he's and innocent, but I feel like he can still gauge emotions. I don't think, right. I thought it was strange to have him laughing because I don't think he would have laughed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Wait, did we talk about Marcella and how Oberyn just mentioned her? I just thought it was interesting oh, that he yeah. mentioned her. D- yeah, he did. I forgot about that. Um, kind of just like a reminder he has a sister too. Yeah, he's like, it's a good thing Marcella's in Dorne. And that must have cut Cersei kind of deep. You're reminding her of how to. Tyrion had her sent away mm-hmm. behind her back. Yeah, uh, the display go- that's going on at this point, a lot of people are unamused by it. You can see them scanning the crowd and like you see the look on Oberyn's face, you see the look on Elena's face. Varys is kind of just rolling his eyes. <laughs> He's just like sitting there like, this is the worst, and he gets knocked in the head. Did you Oberyn see that? looks like, of course they would. Marjorie looks like she's trying not to facepalm. Mm-hmm. Because he's just ramping it up, and he's just so yeah, over the top. who wants that at their wedding? So yeah. tacky. It was Ugh. so tacky. During the display, too, I think Rob Stark's head's get, head gets knocked off, right? And it reminds Sansa. Sansa. 
yeah what happens and then one of the one of the um, performers picks it up and starts like humping it yeah yeah it was really crass i think it was joffrey Mm -hmm. The dwarf trying to be Joffrey. Right. And Joffrey's laughing this entire time. And this whole time I was just like, why was he choking already? I was like, he's been drinking so much wine. Where's the poison? (laughs) That scene was that whole just the continuous shot with everyone. There was like no breaks and everything. I It was very intense. Mm -hmm. It felt like you were there. (laughs) Yeah, which I I appreciate that heightened tension. Uh And then Marjorie like stands up and it's like... Pie! <laughs> that was great. I was like, oh, we cut the tension. The it was too much. It was like too much tension. I need something right now. And immediately she, she yells out pie. And you so know, I heard so- that um, when they were making this episode, I don't know how true this is, the performers weren't told what was going to come out of that lion head. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it is different kill- from the books. I wonder if they actually did kill the birds. I'm kidding. I don't think they actually could kill the birds, but for sure, like, at least the actor who played Laura said in an interview, they didn't know what to expect, and the director just told them to play it naturally. So I wonder how much of it was, uh, like, improvised. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, Loris getting up was, like, something they they ended up staging after the first round. Right, because they did that shots. Because they probably did it multiple times, but the first time they did it was probably, like to get a natural reaction from the actors. Oh, okay. And then I was like, shit, though, if I was, like, Peter Dinklage, I wouldn't want to be... Surprised. Peter Dinklage that. has been a really outspoken for little people, and, like, in his Emmy speech, he talked about, like, violence that and hate crimes and, like, things like that, and so I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, but I think it's an interesting choice if it's true, and they, like, totally punked everybody. Right. Strange. And then I guess the other question is, is it a degrading performance to be a part of Game of Thrones in that way? Or does the does having a character like Tyrion balance out this horrific, like, degrading of little people, like, the scene? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if you can argue that it's being done in, like, an, a respectful way. No, I suppose he can't. But I guess maybe the surprise for him in watching the scene, that scene for the first time, would be to feel insulted, which is what Tyrion would feel and did feel actually in that situation. I liked how Tyrion told Pod to pay them all 20 gold, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It was like the least you can do after all that humiliation. I guess in the context of Joffrey being such a little shit that it it isn't as degrading as it would have been otherwise because I was expecting the worst when they sent out that costing call. But... I don't know if we can say whether or not it would have to like we'd have to talk to Peter Dinklage and see how he felt about it. Like I don't know if I can actually say whether or not it was like done respectfully or done in the context of the scene so it wasn't as bad as it could have been otherwise. Like it's done in the context of Joffrey being a crappy person and the fact that I guess Tyrion acknowledges that he's crappy and the fact that no one was the fact that no one was responding the way Joffrey wanted, laughing and being, like, super mm-hmm. into it. Everyone else was that really That little brat spat out his wine. Yeah. So Ugh. I think that makes it different, too. The fact that no one was reacting to it like Joffrey. And Joffrey was the only one. So it was like, oh, he's the asshole. Okay. What else is there? Oh, right. So Marjorie starts feeding Joffrey the pie. And then um, Tyrion and Sansa try to leave. And Joffrey's like, uncle, where are you going? All sinister and shit. <laughs> But then he starts to choke. 
Well, he, and he, oh, does he, he take a sip before he says that? Where are you going? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have mentioned that. So Joff was like, no, you can't go. I still need, you know, I'm eating this pie. This pie is kind of dry. <laughs> Bring me my <laughs> wine. <laughs> Bring me my wine. So Tyrion, you know, takes the goblet, gives it to, to Joffrey. And Joffrey takes a few sips. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, that's better, blah, blah, blah. And so as he's proceeding to, like, lecture Tyrion and, like, how he sucks or whatever, he starts to choke. And then there's, like, a pause because everyone's looking like, oh, he just needs to, like, clear his throat because he was talking with pie in his mouth. But then he keeps choking. And then, his, and then you know... It's it's funny because Elena was like, "Help your king! Don't just stand yeah. there." Because people were just standing there and, and like. Marjorie's staring. like, "He's choking! <laughs> He's choking!" And then Jamie oh comes rushing through the crowds to like. Jamie shouts Joffrey. He doesn't shout like my liege or my your grace. He's shouting Joffrey. Oh really? I think so. I did not catch that. Whoa! Hmm. Wow. And then, so as this commotion is going on, Joffrey is choking, coughing, Sansa's watching, Dantos appears, like, we gotta go, if you want to Come live. Come with me if you want you to, live. to leave. And then Sansa's like, no, mom, I want to watch. But she ends up going anyway. <laughs> no, mom, I want to watch. <laughs> and then, so then, you, you know, Cersei, run, like, pushes Marjorie out the way <laughs> to get to Joe, which I don't know, I think that was just... I don't know, just had me dying laughing because she like shoves Marjorie out the way and Marjorie like gives her this like like stank ass look. But she comes flying down the steps. She's like, no, my son, Joffrey, what have we been doing? And everyone's just kind of standing there watching him. Like, and I don't know if it might just very well just mean that they realized they could, that there, there was nothing they could do for him. Like mm. he was visibly like choking and mouth to mouth with all the bleeding was just not going to happen. Yeah. It was done really well though. Oh yes, it was definitely. I it agree. Was, I think it was done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's, you know, dying, he reaches up a hand towards Tyrion, which, you know, and I like how you see Cersei follow right up to Tyrion, who is reaching for the goblet and looking at it like, dude, Tyrion, you fool. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, why did he pick it up? And then he died. He was confused. He was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, his face literally did turn purple. It was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I love how, like, the last thing with the, with the pie, too, when he cuts into it, he's, like, scared, right, of the pie when it explodes. And then he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I cut over this pie. Yeah. You see so much of Joffrey's cowardice mm-hmm. throughout the episode. I mean, I gotta admit, I kind of stood up and did a little dance when it happened. Well, you shouldn't celebrate too soon, because next episode he comes back as a white. (laughs) (laughs) So here's one thing I found um, pretty interesting, which I feel like if Jerem could have a conversation about the series without talking about his books, that would be amazing. But anyway, he says... But Joffrey in the books is still a 13-year-old kid. And there's kind of a moment where we, where he knows that he's dying and he can't breathe. And he's kind of looking at Tyrion and at his mother and at the other people in the hall with just terror and appeal in his eyes. You know, like, help me, mommy, I'm dying. And in that moment, I think Tyrion sees a 13-year-old boy dying before him. I wanted the impact of the death to still strike home onto perhaps more complex feelings on the part of the audience, not necessarily just cheering. And this is what he says in the in, uh, Entertainment Weekly interview. So what do you guys think about that? I have a few thoughts. Say your thoughts. 
I understand what Jeremy's saying, but his feelings are flawed only because I feel like much of the past few seasons have been um, built not showing any of Joff's childishness. Like, except you for see... In- Except for in that one part in the first season where Robert's dying and he kind of has this look on his face like, Daddy, that... Yes, that you was- see it. You see it when Robert's dying. You see it, his childishness, when he's bitten by Lady. Mm-hmm. But everything after season one is him being presented as a murderer, as a sexual predator, as someone who who like tortures people like there's no room for sympathy so it's like Mm -hmm. what can the audience do except cheer for his death like when joffrey dies and he's reaching for Tyrion, i don't personally when i saw that scene i saw him as accusing i didn't see him as reaching for help um i i understand completely what you mean because it's like oh he shot uh you know he killed raws for shits and giggles he's tortured other prostitutes for shits and giggles so right yeah right there's no room for sympathy after season one there's no room for sympathy so i don't mm-hmm. think i agree with him like he's leaning too too much on his book, the book rendition of joffrey and it just doesn't make sense in the context of this show at all right okay um i don't know if did you guys watch the inside the episode no alex graves who's the who's the director he says that they were talking about who it was like the who done it so who killed joffrey thing and so he mentions that oberon knows about poison but did any of you guys see anything remotely expressed between the last episode and this episode about oberon knowing anything about poison no Okay. They even mentioned his name as the viper or anything like that. If they had, I definitely don't remember. They really haven't. All right, cool. So (laughs) I just want to make sure. They spent more time setting up his like, oh, he's so sexual than they did like skilled poisoner. Yeah, I think they're relying on their book knowledge because they like the people who didn't read the books who were sitting in the room with me. They were like oh, it was probably Sansa, or it was probably Tyrion, or, mm-hmm. like, the people that they were guessing did ha- not have anything to do with Oberyn. Right. So he's the farthest thing from suspicious in their mind, mm-hmm. even though the director intended, like, he intended for you as a viewer to be confused as to who could have possibly done it. Right. Yeah, definitely agree. Um. So what do you guys give the episode? I can go with the seven. Seven masks. Yeah, seven, seven's about right. It's between seven and eight for me. Yeah, seven mm. and a half. And okay. I was like, it was good. It was pretty yeah. solid um, for the most part. And the acting was great on everybody's parts. There was very little I didn't like, even the, mm-hmm. even the added in scenes that don't exist in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cell, the the team Dragonstone thing is still falling really flat for me. So yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Seven and a half. Yeah, sounds about right. Seven and a half masks out of Woo-hoo! ten. Not bad, not bad. Yay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're about to go to the book spoilers. Spoilers. If you are yeah. a sweet summer child and you have not read the books, this is the part where you leave us. Peace out like Joffrey. It's the grown folks hour. sacrifice your life.
don't know what I'm doing. There was no brown chicken, brown cat. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> Sir Ilan instead of Bron? Yes, well, I don't know. Sir Ilan is dying or did die? Has cancer. Oh, darn it. I cancer. forgot about that. So yeah. out of respect for this actor, they decided to not recast him. Mm-hmm. We already talked about how Celise is like off the off the charts, off the rocker. Oh yeah, we did that for the last season's episode where yeah. they totally bastardized her character. This episode is no different, but the reason why I put that in the notes is because um, there have been fans who have you know been raging about Celise's behavior on the show as different from the books and people are, are like coming up with what in my opinion are really like illegitimate responses which is the germ wrote the episode and I just feel like that's such a ridiculous argument to no, make like because he can't really change it that much exactly like he cannot change the show's canon I just don't understand like fans who who swear up and down at the show's like above reproach to the point that even when when Jerem writes an episode all of a sudden it's not the show's fault that like so we can't criticize what goes on because Jerem wrote it doesn't make any damn sense like Jerem mm-hmm. is writing in within the confines of the show's canon and the show has already established in the previous episode that you know everything that Every, every accomplice that Celise made has been completely erased and, and um, given to Stannis. And I think that's insulting because she's joined the long line of um, female characters that are political movers and shakers that have that are being ignored in favor of the men around her. And it's ridiculous. It, it really is. And I don't blame people for being angry. I don't. There was a thread on Reddit just a few hours ago asking the exact opposite. It was like, has the show made the women more lovable and, like, more competent than they were in the books? And, you know, what's funny is people actually shut him down. Oh, really? They were like, uh, you mean, has the show sanitized all the characters, including <laughs> most of the men? And has the show flattened a lot of the female characters, like Melisandre and especially Celise? Yes. I really dislike Team Dragon so, so much. I didn't like him in the books either. I was okay with it. I could tolerate it, but now I can't even tolerate Team Dragonstone at all. Like, they just irk the shit out of me now. There's, like, no lighting. The music is dull. <laughs> and the story is ridiculous. Like, night is dark and full of boredom. Seriously, though. Seriously. I hate the writing from Alessandra. Oh, my God. Like every time she opens her mouth, every time Stannis, like Stannis and Davos have like the same conversation every every time we see them. I'm just like, God, this is so annoying and boring. And I really want to care more about this, but I don't. Ugh, I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's true. I don't either. So, shall we talk? Um, what else is there? I don't know. Randy did and Bran. Did you guys see Cold Hands in Bran's vision? No. Uh, I just no, a little like other girl people were talking about how they saw cold hands what they may have heard hands yes (laughs) oh you mean jelly bean bird i don't know (laughs) do they think like the tree that was a tree man that wasn't a person in a tree that was just a (laughs) a tree (laughs) yeah come on people Hmm. okay we get excited when the tree talks you know like in lord of the rings (laughs) Hello, Bran. <laughs> it is I, the talking tree. I'm an ant. No, there yet. <laughs> so, who do you think poisoned Joffrey? We had a few, huge debate at our viewing party. We like fast, we like rewound and forwarded 
the scene a couple times. Wasn't it Elena? That's I think, what I think they are sticking to it. I think they're sticking to it because, you know, you see her pull the jewel off the necklace. It comes off really easily. Like, I'm surprised it didn't, the jewels didn't fall off before. Um, Sansa notice. Yeah. I keep going Too back and forth. to make eye contact, Sansa. Yeah. It's not, I, keep, it's a- I keep trying to give them, like, the benefit of the doubt here. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what Sansa noticed that you're missing? Like, is it... Like, was it smart to turn into a, to a necklace? Because no one's going to be looking at a necklace and say, hmm, like, are you missing a jewel? Like, you know. But the problem is, is that the size of the jewels on her necklace are so big that I'm kind of just like, you would notice it. If there were a, a gathering of smaller beads, that would be a completely different story. But it wasn't. So yeah. I feel like it was a little too obvious. Like, no one was confused as to who did it by, you know. I was just like, I can't believe she's actually wearing a hairnet. Remember, we were like, oh, yeah, no one's going to be wearing a hairnet. Yeah. Did they say um, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and... Last time. Mm-hmm. So I think Elena got the poison for Marjorie, but I think Marjorie put the poison in. And I've always felt this because I've always felt like if it wasn't Marjorie, it'd be too risky. Mm-hmm. Especially in the books where they're drinking out of the same cup. I'm surprised they didn't do that in this episode to, like, confuse um, the audience. You know? mm-hmm. But in the book, that big cup that they got at the beginning at the rehearsal dinner is at Mm -hmm. the wedding that's the cup they're chugging out of like the entire night oh so i feel like the only way to guarantee that marjorie wouldn't be accidentally poisoned would be for her to put the poison in so i think it was marjorie that makes sense but i mean the other argument is marjorie has a lot to lose by poisoning joffrey because then she would not she'd be a widow again but marrying joffrey is not a winning proposition it's more it's more believable that it's Marjorie in this in the show than in the book. Mm-hmm. Like it's more obvious because she wants to be the queen. <laughs> He's choking. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't lift a finger. She's just like whatever. <laughs> and she's just staring him down the entire time during the wedding. Yeah, like I'm gonna kill she's you. Feeding him. She's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> she's like I hope you choke. <laughs> so, Loras killing Brienne on sight. Mm. I'm I'm surprised. I don't know. I guess I I just thought it was very strange that you don't see any any interaction between Loris and Brienne, any whatsoever. That's because Loris is the show's gay punchline and nothing more. Yes, right now. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that's the only reason why we did not see any interaction. Because um, I think that would have been far interesting conversation between Brienne and and Loris as opposed to what happened between Loris and Jamie. Because I thought that was ridiculous. I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling their training of barbs, and I feel like it would have been interesting to see tension, even if Jamie like cut into the conversation just because he could see like where it was going. Some kind of tension between Loris and and Brienne, but because like I don't know. Sometimes I wish that. Team Highgarden, I mean, it's too late for the show to do this now, but I wish that Loris was more, you know, included in Team Highgarden. Like, he wasn't just, I don't know, shafted on the side. Like, in the books, Marge and Loris were really close. And even though Germ didn't do much with him, he did enough. Whereas in the show, they just waste him. And, like, it's fine that they didn't want to do anything with him, but then to turn him into a uh, like a punchline I just feel like it's really frustrating to watch and really like I don't know distressing like Loris isn't even my favorite character but I'm just like he's the only queer character am I right in saying so like he's the only like queer people know oh, he's... Oberyn and Ilaria oh right right sorry well aside from those two 
he's the he's the most regular appearing i should say queer yeah, character like he's and then one this of is the very few characters but then look at how okay so then for, for to say this so we have loris and we have oberyn and um and Ilaria, but then look at how all of them are treated as well within the narrative as either hypersexualized or completely ignored and treated like a joke. Like, I don't know. It just, it's, it just bothers me every time I see it. I guess I'm never going to be over it. Never going to be over it. Um, where's Littlefinger? He is on a boat. <laughs> on a motherfucking boat. He, like, <laughs> sailed away. He's... Well, where is he, like, book-wise, or where does everyone else think he is? Everyone thinks he's sailing to the Eerie. Oh, but in no. the books, he was in the harbor waiting for Sansa. Okay. I think, I wonder if he is going to appear in the next episode. I think I think not, though. I think they're shifting back to Danny and John and more King's Landing because that's the, the center of attention on the show. I was wondering why why no one saw fit to at least say, like, Littlefinger is not going to be in attendance because blah, 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 you know. I think he said that last season. He was like, I'm going to miss the wedding. Peace. Yeah, but that's last season. Like, people need, I think, I felt like people needed a reminder. I think they should have given a reminder mm. for, as to why Littlefinger wasn't there. Anything else? Nope. Joffrey's dead. Joffrey's dead. He's so dead. Yeah, he never comes back to life. Do you guys think we're going to get Lady Stoneheart, like, at all? At the end. At the end of the season? I was thinking that, too. I was yeah, discussing maybe. with my coworkers. It's going to be a big shock. That would be, I guess. She's going to be a really well-preserved dead woman. <laughs> right, a really well-preserved body. Mm-hmm. Unless, they, unless they do a scene where it was, like, seven weeks earlier. <laughs> yeah. This occurred. <laughs> all right. Y'all, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at fatpinkcast.tumblr.com or on iTunes under Fat Pink Cast. Be sure to follow, review, subscribe, whatever um, is your fancy, and send us those asks. Thank you! You did this! Whoever killed the king wanted me to lose my head for it. Your circumstances have improved markedly. I would have been the queen. Man says all he needs to crush us, he just doesn't know it yet. Who's going to protect you at Castle Black? I've never heard of visions and prophecies winning a war. I'm running out of time. I have something to say to the people of Marine. Nigel!